introducing new technology won't do much for your business if your people don't know how to use it. So how can you get everyone in your business up to speed on the digital skills they need? Today's guest, Narissa Wild, created her own approach at Informa, a massive events enterprise that powers conferences in industries around the world. Today, she shares exactly how her team ensured that everyone inside the business felt equipped and empowered to execute the company's vision. If you're a digital leader looking to raise digital literacy within your organization, this episode is for you. You're listening to People Changing Enterprises. I'm your host, Jasmine Goodman, and please enjoy this episode with Marissa Wild. When you started the digital transformation in Forma, you were stepping into transforming a large and established organization, a big tanker, <laughs> which is hard. And lots of people inside with varying levels of digital skills. What were your most challenging challenges when you started transforming the company's approach to technology? I think the most challenging parts of this transformation program have really been that the variety of skill sets across our divisions varies significantly. And I think the most important part in a partnership like this, where you're trying to coerce and bring others along with you, is that you set them up to be successful. Like you've got to remove all ego as a central transformation team and your only goal in life at that point in time is to enable these business teams to see the benefit of what you are bringing them in your content migration transformation program but then also to create excitement in how they're going to utilize what this new toy is bringing to them and so by that the biggest lesson that we've learned is that if you don't manage change up and downstream. So whether that's downstream into the businesses, sales, marketing, editorial, and then back up into your technology teams, it's really hard to keep that momentum and drive and ensure that everyone shares the accountability on what drives success. My team is primarily accountable for a platform that is performant, scalable, resilient, and able to deliver on customer experience. The business teams are accountable to drive revenue, to grow customer base, to retain customers on this technology stack. And so we have to work together because all the pieces are there, but sometimes the communication between the two teams is not as strong or as clear as it should be. And it's really easy to create blame culture when those things don't come together, right? And I'd say that that's the biggest challenge because the transformation team owns some of this. And what we've done over the year is say, well, division one, two, and three, you have to be accountable for these parts of change management because we don't have a team that's big enough to do that. And letting go of that as a transformation lead is very difficult because Sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not, but you've got to hand off and just keep articulating the risks of not doing these things and continuing to measure and communicate them. But it's not easy in reality. 
Absolutely. And I know that you created a digital skills index. I'm so curious. Tell me how that works. We acknowledged as an organization that the level of digital maturity and aptitude varies wildly. And we kind of took a long, hard look at ourselves and said, as an organization, we want everybody to be elevated from whether you're an operations person up to the group CEO, you all need to play a part in this. And the way to be successful in a digital organization and to be digital first is when everybody understands, right? And there's a sense of commonality of very basic tenets of what it means to be a digital first organization. So that's kind of our starting point. And for us, it was a program we worked with a partner to build and everybody took the skills index and it covers everything from SEO, advertising, basic digital user experience, content marketing, sales tools, et cetera. And you determine if you're basic, intermediate or advanced and you take the courses and you get a score at the end of it. And the goal was that at the end of the year, 10 months later, everybody would take it again. And there are programs and courses that you can take through the course of the year. And we also have a pretty rich capability through LinkedIn Learning. And so everyone takes the skills index at the end of the year. And, and the goal is not that you should fear for your job if you started out on a 30 out of 100, but more so, how much can you improve through the course of the year? So if you went from a 30 to a 60, that's pretty significant and you should pat yourself on the back and then continue to look at how you can grow through the next year. It's a personal view on how are you building your own digital skills. That's a very interesting way to look at it. It really focuses on getting better. Yeah, it's personal development, it's company development, it's corporate development. It benefits your customers. It benefits you as a salesperson, as an editor, as an events person. Wherever you are in the organization, you can utilize these skills and these tools to be better at what you do day in, day out, which benefits yourself and the company, of course. Absolutely. And it's a win-win situation. Company benefits, you personally benefit, and you will take that skill anywhere you go. What I wonder is, is that part of the goal setting on an individual level? Everybody can have within their groups, their skills index as a target, right? And so you can say, this is where you started at the beginning of the year. Your target is to grow 20%. And as a, you know, me as a manager in my group, I might give a growth that I recommend and we will do monthly check-ins quarterly reviews against those milestones and then obviously half yearly in the end of the year. So there's constant feedback on progression in that skills index. And it might not be that you're looking at the number every month, but you might be saying, well, you know, you're three months away from taking the test. What have you been doing to really grow in the area of advertising? Because that was where you started out as a novice. What have you been acquiring skills in so that you can take the test at the intermediate level, for example, or where do you need support to find programs and opportunities to up those skills as well? What advice do you have for digital leaders like yourself who are struggling with raising digital literacy inside their own organizations? Yeah, I think it's a multifold, right? One piece is 
when you're recruiting team members, really think about the profile of those folks. You know, they don't have to always fit the traditional view of what you think the skills need to be. Personally, I think that if someone is smart, intelligent, willing, hungry, has desire, most of us can pretty much wrap our arms around anything. If we all look at our own career paths, we probably didn't really start anywhere near. I started in hotel industry, just so you all know, which is probably very far from where I am now, but you just have to want it, right? And you've got to be willing to learn. That's part of it is the talent you bring in. And so, you know, that old saying, you need to surround yourself with people who are better than you at these things. 100%. I'm surrounded by folks that are data scientists, they're SEO, SMEs, they're amazing digital salespeople, they're product managers, and they're all better at all of those things than I am. Like I could dabble in each of them, but I'm not an expert in any of them. And so that's the piece is you want those specialists as well as the generalists to support the structure of a digital organization. So it's being humble. And then I would say it's also, it's partnership, like it's constant communication, it's constant conversation. You're kind of a salesperson in a way because you're trying to sell the holy grail of what we could get to if we do this together. And you have to genuinely want to be on this journey with these teams that actually, you know, you might think, oh, they're so annoying or this is so frustrating, but you've got to put yourself in their shoes, right? They're being pressured to deliver on primarily revenue goals. It's call it what it is, right? They've got to lead these teams. They've got to grow their organization. They've got to increase their margins and they're not allowed to really increase the size of their teams to do all those things. And it's really, really hard. And so just being in someone else's shoes for a moment and trying to have empathy with all the stresses that they're dealing with, which sometimes means it lands at your door because they've just had enough at the point they're talking to you. It's not about you. And so the more you can just try to empathize with that and really work with your partners, and this might sound like really basic stuff, but actually, you know, it's at the heart of a culture that's value-based, right? And I really have a lot of heart towards value-based leadership where you just try to be a good human and you can work with people and get things done. Love that you said that. And it's, to me, the sign of a great leader. If you can put your ego aside and you can put and you do put yourself in other people's shoes for the greater good. Any final things that you would want to tell the audience uh, that we haven't covered yet? I think just an extension of that previous question is really around causality and always asking the question, why? But why? You know, but why does the customer need this? But why do we need to do that? But why is this not good enough? And it's a really practical way to make sure that you're staying on track. The more you can be with your customers, talking to them, listening to them, the active listening is a very important part of digital strategy. We're really just like therapists, right? We're listening. And then we're taking in pieces of information about their experience, whether that's from a data source, an interaction, a subscription, something they did or didn't do at an event, not coming to an event for two years. Why? You know, what's the why there? And it's not typically that example, right? It's not, if you really got down to it and got to the heart, it's not budget probably. They probably had a baby and their wife said, if you leave me again, 
you know, we won't be here when you come back. And that's the why. So is there an opportunity for a business? And and this is kind of blue skies thinking, right? But just to put the example across where we say at this event, we've got a special deal for new families where we say, bring your spouse and your baby. And it's a reduced rate for a room that's bigger and that person can stay with the little one while you're out and then you can convene, have one dinner on us. You kind of create a budget around that. But, that, you know, that's a crazy example, but that's an example of causality. And I think that's a beautiful example. If done right, here's what all the tools and topics that we discussed today will allow you to do, which will very selfishly, in a sense, will allow you to generate more business, which is ultimately what we're all here to do. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to People Changing Enterprises. This show is brought to you by ContentStack, the leading composable digital experience platform for enterprises. Got a question or suggestion? Email us at podcast at contentstack.com. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new episode helping you make your mark.